Hey, Aber Show listeners, before we get to today's episode, I want to give you a little heads up. Years and years ago, back when I had a full head of hair, Amin El Hassan and I used to do this thing at ESPN called True Hoop TV Live, where we recorded a podcast, but also got to mix it up with our listeners live during the show. And it was awesome. We missed that experience terribly. So starting this week, we're going to do a live Haber Show show on the Stereo app. Stereo is a live conversation app where you can be a co-host, take part in the conversation, or just simply kick back and listen. So if you want to hang out with us on the live show or maybe ask us that pressing question you wish we addressed on the most recent pod, or you just want to make fun of us, that's cool too. Go download the Stereo app and join us every Wednesday for a live version of the Haber Show pod. That's every Wednesday for a live Haber Show on the Stereo app. To get in on it, follow me. I'm at Haberstro, H-A-B-E-R-S-T-R-O-H, to learn when we're going to be live next. All right? Talk to you there. Welcome to the Haber Show. As always, I'm joined by Levitard Show and Sirius XM's finest. Hassan, who's a pirate, does what pirates do. Thanks for joining us, me. Oh, yeah, I'm not joining you. This is this is where I give my basketball takes now, man. Come on. Pretty sure it's the Haber Show, not the Amin Show. Pretty sure. Thanks. This is the thanks I get. Now I know how Stu Gatz feels. Yeah, um, I, I love that Stu, one of my favorite things the past week is that Stu Gatz has become like fatherly, paternal Stu Gatz with the stock market stuff. When Mike oh Ryan want, and, and Chris Cody are buying all these uh, retail stocks and he's like, guys, you need to get out of here. Like, stop. And I'm like, Stu Gatz is adorable. Yeah. Did you guys see that Given the wrong video advice, of uh, there was somebody that went on CNN and said the real loss right now is a loss of, of human capital happening because all these guys – instead of going in and inventing things are uh, are gambling on them and i was like isn't that the entire idea of the stock market yeah. and everyone no who no works no but that's Street, that's no, when, yeah i know that's that's fine right so when we yeah, do yeah, it yeah. like when they do it now that's a problem don't you understand it's a big yeah, difference you're just completely different <laughs> like haven't we poured a lot and, of money into this industry where a bunch of men are pretty much gambling all the time anyways and it's like you the guy was like couldn't you also be using that time to get in romantic relationships? Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah, sitting yeah. here like, since when are you looking out for everyone's like social yeah. life instead of trying to make money? Like people are trying to make money. They got a stimulus check mm-hmm. or they, they have some extra cash left over and they're trying to make like a couple bucks here and there. Right. And suddenly it's this like horrible vice that you're trying to play with the stock market. Yeah, and he also uh, he kind of called them you, a buddy. bunch of That's incels funny. at the same time, and like without really yeah. calling them incels, which was funny, honestly. And that right there is a uh, friend of the show, Sirit Sohi, uh, the artist formerly known as Damian Trillard. Welcome. Thank you. Wow, I forgot about that. That was so long ago. Can't forget about that. Ghost of Twitter past. <laughs> look at that smile. She, she, she's. What are you ashamed of that? No, like, what, so yeah, that, no the, of course the, not. That's, of course not. Molly's of youth. You know, that's my legacy. That's who I am. I can't be ashamed of my past. Yeah, that was, at least um, not that did, part of it. You know. But. Was it was it hard for you to get your name your actual name as a Twitter handle? No, you. I, this is going to shock you, but there just weren't a lot of other people named Sirit Sohi out there, so all I had oh, to wow. do was change it, and it was fine. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. We um 
we had a lot going on last night in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'd like to spend 45 minutes talking about uh, GME and AMC, we have actual basketball stuff to talk about. First of all, first thing, very basketball discussion here that we're having. Um, the Carlos family. Oh, we're going by the family name now? <laughs> the Carloses, uh, the Atlanta I courtside Carlos couple. That I believe is now when there's two, they're Carlosi. <laughs> the Carlosi, um, they, they got into it with LeBron and it's raising all sorts of issues. Like the actual altercation, about eight minutes left, the Lakers in Atlanta go on like a 16-0 run <laughs> and suddenly like – the game stops because LeBron is getting into it and drawing back and forth with a courtside fan um, who's kind of like this, the most Miami looking guy possible. I mean, like, do you agree? Like he's white hair, very tan skin. Yes. He looks like he wants to be Vince McMahon. Wait, LeBron Um, got into it with Pat Riley. No wonder (laughs) everyone's talking about this today. That makes sense. Easy. <laughs> so he gets uh so the game stops and LeBron's, you know, chatting back and forth, and then um his wife, who made it known on Twitter that she is twenty-five is years good. old, uh oh. <laughs> she chirped back at LeBron and then spent basically her next fifteen minutes of fame on Instagram uh talking shit about LeBron. So um, um, hold on, I got a question. I'm glad that we have a woman present so that I can ask this question oh, no. as opposed to assert it in a very misogynistic way. Mm-hmm. This is not misogyny. This it's is curiosity. Sirit, okay. here we go. Is it wrong to opine that she may be 25, but she looks very weathered? Would that would that be wrong of me? Um, I just don't think it's that relevant to this. I think there are so many things about her. Good answer that we can get into without really having to go there. I would, I would count. That's a great answer. First of all, second of all, I would counterpoint. I think she's not relevant other than a more generic discussion about the entitlement of rich people and maybe how Atlanta being the site for an all-star game might be the worst thing ever for a pandemic. But as far as discussing her, Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like, why are we giving her the gasoline for the fire that the tire fire she's starting to start? Yeah, look, obviously, someone who hops on, on. Sorry, go ahead, I mean. Yeah, no, finish your point. No, no, I was going to say, someone who hops on Instagram and story after story after story and how I'm going to fuck LeBron up. Like, I mean, clearly this person is either not sane or not not serious, is trolling. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely felt like it just... was a good opportunity. Uh, it was funny because I think before before he really got a chance to uh, to address it, uh, she she had already posted. And I mean, you should never post. Yeah. In general, just never post. I mean, we'll talk about this later. Um, but <laughs> my bolo- my baloney has a first name. <laughs> um, but. He basically used this as an opportunity to say, hey, I really miss the fans and they shouldn't have been as hard on her. Um, and yes. I don't believe that she should have been kicked out of the game. And it was just one more instance of LeBron, A, like playing to the fans, always playing to the fans, and B, just kind of being like, 
about these Rona restrictions like I gotta look at the fans in the arena like he's always he's always thinking about about the money at the end of the day which is did you was find funny that fascinating me. is that LeBron wasn't like yeah get them out of here he was yeah. like oh, I mean we he said his piece I said my piece and you know what yeah I don't think he should have been ejected mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. I mean what did you read yeah. there like what like I found that fascinating no. that LeBron sided with almost the fans because I think LeBron for the longest time, hates playing in these empty gyms. It's like when we did the live show at Count the Dings, imagine we go to Brooklyn and we do this like live show in front of like an empty room. It's a different vibe. Like part of the reason why you do these things is because you vibe with the audience and you have these back and forth and it's it's a good time. LeBron, initially when the bubble was conceived, he was like, yeah, I'm I'm not doing that. Like I'm not not playing in an empty arena. Like the whole Mm -hmm. point of this NBA is to play in front of fans. And so... If he had said, like, yeah, we can't have courtside people at these games, like, that would be very much against his agenda. I would say – I would side on what Sirius is saying. I would say throw LeBron some bamboo because he's in pander mode. Pander, 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 pander. <laughs> oh, the fans. Oh, how can we play without fans? Oh, I miss the fans. Oh, it's nice to have fans. Why are you kicking the fans mm. out? So part of it is just the general LeBron – philosophy and platform i will pander to the fans right to be the people's champ part of it is i think this is how you subvert and make someone like her look more foolish because if lebron starts cursing her back or saying we don't have a place for people like that he's very smart like it's still going to be a black man telling a possibly white possibly hispanic woman that she has no place and the optics on that are bad so what you do is you say Hell, I didn't want him to leave. And so now the crazier she goes, the the crazier she looks. Because, like, this guy's not even mad that you – he's mad that you got kicked out. You're, mm-hmm. And you're over here railing against a phantom menace pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then finally, yes, like, I guess in the picture – Is that a Star picture, Wars reference? Run, I'm sorry. Is that a – It is. It okay. is. But I, was, I, li- I like the term phantom menace for, for everything that is there but isn't quite there. Uh, well, and I then mean, finally, I feel like, like you can really said, know your audience of two right now and make a different reference that we can a, understand. Not, not, talk, not talking to y'all. I'm mm-hmm. talking to if the you make space, millions of listeners. If you want to make baseball references, I'm all there. I'm there. Half man, half dog. I'm a mog. Yeah, RIP John Candy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, but there's probably in the long thread of things, there's also some layer of, hey, man, don't mess up the money. And, you know. That's always, always, always an agenda on on LeBron's uh, to-do list. Mm -hmm. That part didn't really quite work because I feel like all anybody's talking about today is the fact that a fan without a mask was able to basically yell at a bunch of players. Yeah, we talked about this with James Borrego last week, a couple weeks ago. Was it last week? It's like the moment that you need to get your voice heard, you pull down your mask, which is the last thing you should do in a pandemic is to pull your mask down to project spittle yeah. across the court. Mm-hmm. It's the yelling. Like they said, I, like I read a study that if everyone was just silent, we probably wouldn't need masks even. Mm. But the act of talking is what uh, expels it out there and screaming and yelling as people would do at a sporting event, whether they are the coach or maybe some spectators is what is the most kind of transmissible form 
of living that you could do it just other than just spitting in someone's mouth being brought down by the need to sound like hear the sound of your own voice is just such a poetic way for for this whole thing to, to take place you know like that's that's the thing that we just can't stop doing <laughs> like no should have been tweeting i must just text it in, instead stop calling <laughs> me just text me stop using your voice yeah. Yeah. um so this this brings us to the other side of this conversation is Atlanta is being announced as the spot for the all-star game. Mm-hmm. They're going to do a competition, skills competition, so I guess three-point contest and a uh, uh, dunk contest in Atlanta, east versus west, according to reports. Um, so no player draft anymore. But the more important story is in the middle of a pandemic, the NBA is trying to put on all-star weekend of some sort in Atlanta. Now, mind you, they already canceled the Indianapolis All-Star Weekend. So imagine you're Indianapolis right now. Tom, I got to stop you there. They did not cancel Postponed. it. They they merely postponed it. There you oh, go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, because they didn't make plans for all of this happening this year. Uh, and I'm sure didn't ruin any of those business relationships planning for this year's All-Star Weekend. Anyway, um, so Indianapolis is just being left out in the cold. And they're going to Atlanta. Uh, I thought I saw a report because Turner Sports is there, and they have basically they gave ESPN like the the bubble, and they're like, ah, oh, business partner, TV broadcast well, partner. What do we what do we do for Turner? Ooh, we can have All Star Weekend there. Well, I mean, All Star Weekend is a Turner exclusive event, other than the celebrity game, which of course won't take place, right? So it makes sense, like. They shouldn't ask anybody. Turner is the one. And if you're you're Turner, if we're trying to simplify this, right, logistically, you would do it right down the street from us. So we don't have to send people and have people traveling and all that. Okay, yep. That makes sense. And obviously, Turner, is in much the same way that we were never going to start on MLK Day because Turner says, you're not going to take two of my big events and combine them into one, opening week, opening night and MLK. The same way here, like you're not going to take away our big breadwinner, which is All-Star Weekend. I get all that. I'm telling you, putting an All-Star game in Atlanta during a pandemic is like walking into a gunpowder factory with a suit that is made of lit matches. Just walking in, just all flames. You go in, like, what's the worst that can happen? Right? It's It's a city... That is wide the hell open. It's a city that uh, has no regard for COVID protocol. It's a city that's known for its nightlife, and you're and and it's a city that, without having a major weekend event, always attracts people from out of town to come and have a good time. You're gonna do it in the middle of a pandemic for one of the biggest attract people from out out of town events. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day. They said, oh, but they're not going to be fans in the stands. I said, who cares about fans? All-Star Weekend is just people from driving from Little Rock and places up and down the boulevard. And so that's what you got to watch out for is that these people are going to come from everywhere across the Midwest, the South, and the East Coast of the United States. They're going to drive there and going to hang out. And you're going to tell all these players who are going to be there, hey, by the way, uh, yeah, stay in your hotels the whole time. <laughs> Then it makes sense. Yeah, it feels a little bit penny, penny wise and pound foolish too, because the chances of something not happening there are really, really, really low. And then all of a sudden, you have the best players in the league 
compromised. So they're probably going to pay for it on the back end. Well, I think there's two conversations we can have here. One is I think there's a lot of, um, I think the phrase is pearl clutching here about how the NBA shouldn't be putting on an all-star game Mm -hmm. in the middle of a pandemic. I think, I think the issue that people have is that the NBA is in one side of their mouth saying health and safety first. We want to we want to have the doctors and the infectious disease experts lead this conversation, but at the other side of their mouth, say, "Hey, let's have the biggest party weekend on the NBA schedule in Atlanta during the middle of the pandemic." So, how do you reconcile those two things? Right on one side, they're going to say health and safety first. We're in a pandemic. We won't do anything unless our infectious disease experts and physicians and our top experts, the Dr. Fauci's of the world, say it's okay. But also, we need to make a lot of money during, or we need to get back a lot of money from on from on the table during uh, All Star Weekend. So, I think everyone just needs to realize the NBA is a business. It's a business, and yes, we should hold them accountable. And Sir, you've done a great job at Yahoo Sports as their national columnist talking about these very issues i just gave you like a very big she she looks so surprised like oh oh, really is that your is that your title uh no i think i think it's reporter (laughs) i definitely that seems inaccurate so (laughs) let's go with writer let's go with nba writer okay uh (laughs) writer for yahoo sports uh formerly known as uh damian trillard um, there we go. You've done you've done a lot of writing on this topic, which is like the NBA uh, has to like kind of fit, wear both shoes. Is that they're a business, mm-hmm. but also they're like a public entity where we're taking cues from LeBron and all sorts of athletes on how to uh, behave in this pandemic and yeah. getting the right messaging across. And it's and it's tricky. The NBA is a business, but it's also like trying to lead the way on the the science. Well, I mean, I don't know how much they're really trying to lead the way on the science anymore. Um, mm. My concern back then was just like, if you're going to put the NBA in charge of this, is that like, you're going to go in the direction of public opinion more often than not. March 11th, public opinion on whether the country should be sh- shut down was, you know, I think we were all pretty much coming to terms with the fact that it was the right thing to do. As time went on, we obviously know that a lot of people have gotten a lot more lax with it. And there's a little bit more, you know, there's more competing opinions on on what should be done next. Um, And I think the NBA is stepping into that and using it to do some of the things that they probably shouldn't be doing. Um, Like, there's obviously a line that you have to toe, right? I don't know where on that line having an all-star game in Atlanta really falls. It is way off the line. It is like... It, it, it's like a list of things that you shouldn't do in the middle of a pandemic, right? Like if you took, if somebody made like, you know how they have like, hey, wash your hands, stay socially distanced, and they ranked it on a spectrum of things. And that like those were, those were on one end. Having an all-star game in Atlanta would be on the exact opposite end <laughs> because of all of the things that, things that Amin highlighted. Um, so I don't know. I mean, like I'm, I'm past the, I, like the hypocrisy point. I think like we all kind of, you know, if you're if you're paying even a little bit of attention, you kind of accept, expect that from the NBA. I just don't like. I think they need something resembling a bet, like a plan that makes sense, right? Like, and this goes. This actually falls in line with like a lot of the way that people feel about pandemic protocols too. Like, I think, like I live in Alberta, where 
I I can't go and see a family member in a different household if I want to at all. And um, like, that's a little bit, especially, you know, strange just because, um, you know, is that a local is that a local decree or is that is that national it's provincial uh so i think and i think ontario has the same one but i'm not sure i can only really speak for alberta but at the same time the malls are open right so you're just like <laughs> okay sure right and then i think hmm. like that that erodes a little bit of public trust then people are obviously going to go and cheat. They're going to be like, what the hell? The malls are open. And I can't see my, like my brother or something. You know what I mean? Um, and I think. They're not going to go see their brother. <laughs> no, <but I> mean, <laughs> that, that's that's yeah, not, not who they're cheating on the protocol. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think a similar thing seems to be happening with the NBA where like, there's just no consistency with their approach. And, uh, you know, any, like it just, it, it, it does erode your, your faith in, in them a little bit. I think. It doesn't well, I think I don't think people quite understand unless you've been at All Star Weekend what All Star Weekend yeah. is. It's yeah, very little of like celebration of the game's best mm-hmm. players and a lot of just party celebration. Yeah, that's what yeah. Amin's point yeah. on celebration. like the people showing up is a, yes. is a very good one. The amount of people that show up to All Star without All Star tickets is like very high. And no intention. It's not even like maybe we'll luck into it. It's like, no, oh, no I didn't don't, come yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I've, I've, yeah. I have friends that went to, like, that have gone to All Star Games just to, like, go because, like, they know that there's going to be a million parties every single night. Yeah. And the yep. NBA can't control yeah. that aspect of it at all. Like, if Atlanta's no, open, and, uh, like, people well, are going to be doing stuff. That's, that's the, the insanity. Mm-hmm. Not only can they not control it, but they are going to try to control the only thing they can control, which is the 24 highly paid athletes. Mm-hmm that are going to descend on the city. They're going to make it so, no, you're not allowed to leave your hotel. You're not allowed to... And and those guys are rightfully going to ask, wait a second, literally everyone is here enjoying the fruits of our label, mm-hmm. labor, except for us. Right. We're the only ones. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and from a safety protocol, it's the right thing to do, but from... I get it from a fairness, like, wait why don't we why aren't we allowed to make those decisions and that's what that's that's the hard part that's the mm-hmm. tough how do you how do you reconcile all of this right now to me if i'm the league the way i reconcile is i have a conversation with the players association it's got to be like yo do y'all want this money or not that's all this matters mm-hmm. that that's all the whole reason we're doing this is not a celebration of the game mm-hmm. it's making good on promises we made to a stakeholder and making sure the money doesn't get cut off. That's what this whole thing is. Mm-hmm. As long as everyone is on board, it's, it's almost like it's a heist, right? Hey, while everyone's partying downstairs, we're going to steal this money in the midst of a pandemic. That's what's happening here. What you can't have is someone who has the attitude of like George Hill when they, they came with the tighter uh, protocols a few weeks ago saying, well, I'm going to do what I want. I'm like, no, dummy. No, because we're trying to pull something off here. It's not about doing what you want, mm-hmm. not doing what you want. It's do you want this money or not? And I the think there would be is. less empathy too to to that. If somebody said that about the All Star game, no one's going to say that first of all because they know like it, no. what it implies is very different than what Hill was implying, which was like, "I'm going to go see my family if I want to." So yeah, I mean, didn't was it you who like? squirreled his way into like a, a big time 
dinner at Charlotte All-Star, was it? Yeah, oh yeah, yes, yeah. I wandered my way in, and then I realized I was in a room of fairly heavy hitters. Uh, and by fairly heavy hitters, I mean like the presidents of both ESPN and Turner Sports were at this thing, and they were not the heavy hitters I'm talking about. I got heavier hitters than that. I'm talking about. I sat at like the kids' table, and the guy, I can hear and the guys. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Can you pick uh, up what, there? What, I mean, uh, where did where did the, you guys? The, the heads of, the of ESPN, ESPN and Turner okay. were not the heavy. Hitters. All right. Right. So I, I sat at the quote-unquote kids' table, and the guy sitting next to me invented YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Insane. Insane. But that's the kind of stuff that happens at All-Star Weekend because you have all these people who are represent different kind of interests around the game, and uh, this is where deals are made, so to speak, you know, or high-power relationships are formed and and you know the kind of the the puppet mastery that exists miles above our mortal heads is going on this is where the chess game happens and you know i don't think that that'll go away even if we're going to have like a stripped down bare bones version of all-star weekend like this How is did literally you stumble into this? oh yeah see great great question what was the question how did you stumble into this party, this get together, uh, this social? Gathering? I went, so I went to dinner with uh, some some associates of mine, and they were actually trying to avoid going to this. And then they got ri- literally as we're walking down the street in uptown, someone of high connection jumps out of a car stuck in traffic. It says, hey, guys, what's going on? You guys are coming, right? And we're like, oh, yeah, sure. Because it was a dinner, but we already ate. So we're like, ah. So then, you know, we get guilted. So we're like, all right, we'll go in there. We'll grab some drinks or whatever because it's going to be open bar. Every every event, every real event you go to at All-Star Weekend is open bar. If you go somewhere and they're charging you for drinks, guess what? You got you got had. You went yeah, to some bootleg ass <laughs> Yeah. No, you went to a bootleg party. Like the real events that are sponsored by real sponsors – you don't pay for anything to drink. So we walk in there and uh, and I go to the bar and I'm, you know, we're just hamming it up. And as I'm looking around, I'm like, what what's going on in here? At what point I'm totally hammered and I'm having a really deep conversation with uh, Stan Kroenke <laughs> about, about the difference between the NFL and the NBA from the owner level. And he's like, Stan Kroenke is complaining to me about like, geez, man, like, these NFL owners are so backward and old school and, and everything that we suggest, they kind of like bristle at any sort of change or innovation. It, it was a weird kind of situation to be in for. And that's how Amin got hired to be the Denver Nuggets GM. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's another, no, that's, that's how I become the Rams GM. <laughs> yeah. Remember, I don't live anywhere where it snows, Tom. And that's how Amin <laughs> is coaching Matt Stafford. Um, yeah, I, I don't think people quite realize how the NBA All-Star Weekend is just one giant party and um, what they're watching on TV, like awesome Vince Carter dunk contest or the Team Giannis versus Team LeBron. Like that's cool, but it's all just like a reason for the biggest heavy hitters in the country mm-hmm. to come in and party for a week or a weekend. Um, and I think that – 
I think like well, I'm sorry. Was it was it, I believe quick. that the last dance, like first taping or the first viewing was at Charlotte All Star Week with MJ. And Dwayne the Wade preview. might have done they a, had to- a pre- They had like a 30 minute preview or something. Like it wasn't the full thing. Right. It was just kind of like a, screening. a taste. Yeah, a little like yeah. a little taste. Yeah, yeah. The uh by the way, that's it's not too dissimilar from Summer League. Like Summer League. Fans think like, oh, I got to see how my rookie's going to play. And, oh, is this second-year player going to take the leap? And so, like, Summer League is about the immense power-broking that happens behind the scenes. And, yeah, we want to watch the young guys play and progress and all that stuff. But in reality, it doesn't matter. And here's how you know it doesn't matter. In prior years, before every team was at Summer League, like, there would be teams that were not represented at Summer League, but their whole staff would be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's... They're not here because they're worried about, you know, how uh, Malik Monk is going to look right next year. Right? They're scouting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, scouting, scouting. Some of the worst basketball in the world. But, but the reality is, you're you're there to for the connections and for the networking. It's it's like baseball's winter meetings, except that they made them actually play baseball during the winter meetings. So, uh, speaking of Malik Monk, he had 36 points last night. Um, how's Heat Island looking, I mean? Well, I was on Lebetard this morning on, on their local hour, and it's, they're pa- a panicky lot over there. They're a panicky lot. Uh, there, there's, there's two ways to look at this. One way to look at it was last night was the first time they've had their entire roster together and available in about a month. Um, they're, and they're playing against a, a Charlotte team that's been playing a lot better. Yep. Um, and they're rusty, right? Like, you look at it, they're up 10 with three minutes to go. Uh, shot selection down the stretch was terrible. You have Malik Monk coming off a short clock a set piece, and bam, you're up three. Why don't you crowd that three-point line? Well, who cares if he drives past you, right? You have Jimmy Butler with the last hero, second he opportunity was hero for the last 10 minutes of the fully, game. Yeah. Full, yeah, but like that last possession in particular, like all you need is a bucket. They can't stop you. They've been fouling you this whole time. Why would you take a step back? Right. In that moment, even if Cody Zeller is there, right. There's a lot of like little things that if the heat were 500 or two games above 500 or in the sixth seed or whatever, you say, ah, that was a bad loss, but push it aside. We'll get there. The problem is because they haven't been healthy in about a month. Their record is terrible. And so you're looking at this and you're saying, I need this. This is a division rival. What should be a throwaway loss, and you're like, oh, stupid me, turns into, holy shit, what if this impacts our season in a meaningful way? Um, And so they've got to get back to playing heat basketball, which is obviously defensive attention to detail and then on the offensive end that ball has to move and that doesn't mean jimmy can't be jimmy but you know it can't be like last night where he's just bringing it up and dribble 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 into a contested three-pointer which i don't believe he's hit one all year long sir what do we where do we put the uh, miami heat season like on the panic level are you feeling like a lot of people are waiting waiting to kind of jump on their graves or dance on their graves a little bit after they've got to the finals that everyone thought it was, ah, it's a fraud, the bubble finals Mm. trip. And now it's like, 
actually they're they're not playing well at all and they have had injuries but where where are you on the Miami Heat panic meter I'm not I'm not ready to freak out yet uh they've probably been like one of the most affected teams by COVID uh Paulo Ugetti at the ringer wrote a good story about that them and the Mavericks um just because they've actually like they've had to play most of the games where they've had guys out yep um and like you know on like a lot of these other teams like boston for example um they were so depleted that uh that they got to sit some of these games out that they would have probably lost miami was pretty much consistently on that line which also i mean that's more likely to get you a little bit injured and stuff too uh and also like i think i was looking at 538 yesterday after they lost they still have like i think it was like a 60 percent chance of making the playoffs uh despite the fact their record is horrible uh, I, I mean, I don't know how 538 is factoring in, like, COVID and play-in and stuff this year. Uh, but I'm not really ready to freak out. Like, the Heat, for the first... I, I caught bits and pieces of that game. Like, there were, like, 20 games on yesterday. Um, and they looked pretty heaty for, you know, the chunks that I saw them. Heedy? Charlotte is, is also a... kind of... Dis- heaty. 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 Yeah. I think I'm going to yeah. write that down. That, that's when I put <laughs> add to dictionary in my head. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but Char- Charlotte is kind of prototypically designed to beat them, I think, too. Like, they just have a lot of playmakers. They know how to bust zones. Um, they play they play pretty good zone. And, you know, like, I, I also think Malik Monk and Devontae Graham just went off. You know, yeah. like, it was, like, mm. it was kind of crazy. Like, you don't really have that happen in, in the fourth quarter and overtime. They were just hitting ridiculous shots. Like, they were all the hero ball shots that Jimmy was taking. Um, they were missing. And on the other end, like, I thought, I think, like, Heat missed some threes. It was kind of weird. It was one of those comebacks that, like, I don't really put too much stock into just because, like, I don't really see that happening again. Um, at least, like, all of those things combining to happen again. Like, it looked like the Heat were going to pretty much win that game. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to be fine. They're healthy again. They're starting to look like themselves. Yeah, Jimmy needs to clear up his shot selection a little bit. I didn't think he was actually quite that bad, to be honest. Because, uh, like, I also, like, I think they had a they had a pretty hard time creating when he was off. Like, obviously, Bam was going off, but they didn't really have a lot of perimeter scoring. So, I mean, I don't know. They, they'll figure it out. I'm not, I'm not there yet. It's a balance, right? Like, it's not that, like, never do that. It's just like, right. hey, bro, maybe try something else a couple of times. Mix it up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think he will. You know, I think, you know, he's obviously been an unselfish player before. But, like, And he's be- been out. Yeah, exactly. I just I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I'm not I'm not even close to be honest. Because like we have to remember like this is also like different, completely different roster. Um, and I hate to like I hate to use heat culture too much as as an excuse, but like there's also a team that like went like 11 and 30 and almost made the playoffs a couple years ago. Like they do, they ha- they they have the capability of doing some ridiculous stuff. Well, Tom, here's here's the reality: they're seven and 13, and they're seven and a half games back. Of the one seed, not not the eight seed, not <laughs> yeah. the there's seven and a half games that got the best record in the, in the conference, and so and that's forget about like this COVID thing might sweep through everybody at some point, and mm-hmm. forget about that. Just right now, if everyone remains healthy from here on out, you're seven games back from having the best record in the conference. Isn't that weird like, this year? This year we haven't had the like the all time great team. Like the, every year we have a team that like gets off to like a 13 and one start, but this year it's been uh, a lot more parody at the top. Well, they, they're pairing yeah. it up. 
Yeah, um, I wonder how much of that is injuries, too. I also think the Lakers could have been that team if they wanted to, but they only tried for, like, the last five minutes of every game. Yeah, Anthony Davis is like, yeah, I'm just I'm just going to hold everything and wake me up when uh, when the playoffs come around. Um, well, well, Jimmy Butler, uh, in eight games this year, so he's missed a whole bunch of games. He's 0 for 12 from downtown. Um, and then he pulls up for that. He had a, an ISO against Gordon Hayward. But I, I want to talk about Hayward because I was – from day one since he signed the contract with Charlotte, and maybe I'm a homer on this, but I felt like people were paying way too much attention to the contract and not enough about the basketball player of Gordon Hayward. He's balling out. He's been amazing. And some of those drives down the stretch, he had this behind the back uh, that just totally wrecked Tyler Hero and attacked the rim against Bam Adebayo. And it was like, this guy's really good. And I feel like we're this is the uh, the Joe Johnson fallacy where Joe Johnson for the longest time in Atlanta they were talked about his contract rather than the actual player mm-hmm. Joe Johnson who is really effing good and so Gordon Hayward averaging like twenty three points a game he's been a great playmaker good defender um, and Lamelo Ball starts last night and it's kind of like a footnote on the game because Gordon Hayward and Devonte Graham and Malik Monk took things over but. Man, I really like what Charlotte's doing this year. They play really aggressive defense. Um, you know, they PJ Washington left the game, and still they they went with Co- Cody Zeller down the stretch, and they were just they were just making great shots, and that's what they've been all year. They've been a tough out, really competitive team, and everyone thought they were going to be terrible this year. Gordon Hayward's good. Tom, this is turning into a Hornets podcast, man. We had the coach last week. We talked about their ownership situation. Now we're talking about their players. What's next? Marketing department. No, what's next is Brandon Payne, Charlotte Native. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. Here we go. <laughs> Charlotte Native and Charlotte Native uh, Stephen Curry are teaming up to perfect Stephen Curry's shot after a, kind of a, a down start this season. Sirit, you got a chance to talk to Brandon uh, Payne from Accelerate Basketball and uh, Bruce Frazier from uh, the, the uh, assistant coach for the Golden State Warriors, the two guys who have probably watched more Stephen Curry's shots other than Stephen Curry himself. You got a chance to talk to them recently, Sirit. What did you learn? Uh, I learned that it's very hard to keep your shot consistent. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? that I mean, was that, really... was, that was, vo- was that voice fonting? Yeah. Okay. Was. <laughs> How's that? Yeah, you went you went TV Haber Show there for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Did we, did we get a good enough sound bite? Should we do it again? Yeah, no, I think I perfected it. Uh, so yeah, could you tell us more insight into the article you wrote on yahoosports.com? National columnist, Sirit Sobe. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, the That's amount of times I've gone on radio for something like that, and like the host has clearly not read the article at all. It's so funny. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> and I don't blame them. I mean, like they have a lot of hours to fill, fill in the day, but they're just like, they're kind of pretending and you can kind of see them pretending. Mm. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to lend you a hand here. I did, uh, I did we'll ESPN Radio a couple of weeks ago, and the, the host at the time was like, oh, and we have Tom Haverstro here, does an amazing podcast. I love this podcast. It's called the yeah. Haverstro Podcast. Yeah. And just kept, it wasn't like a typo, like he just misspoke. It was like repeatedly saying, oh, I love yeah. this this podcast. It's my favorite podcast, yeah. the Haverstro Podcast. And so I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm on ESPN Radio. This is cool. I'm going to mm-hmm. let it slide. A couple of years ago, um, actually, it was it was friend of the show, Kevin Arnovitz, also who was the the colonel that inspired the the article that I wrote. Um, he, I went to summer league. I think I was like twenty, um, and uh, and he had a bunch of us go into this like 
blogging bloggers meeting like NBA PR thing just oh, so wow. we could kind of get a grasp of like how how it all worked and I think there was a little bit of concern at the time with like the true like back when it was true hoop network like they credentialed a bunch of a bunch of us of like how people would act right um and my only memory of that now is I believe it was Raymond Ritter before I'd actually met him calling true hoop, hoop troop the entire time <laughs> while being like and hey, you guys did good work, you know. Like, right, right, let bring us over know. Here, right, bring over here, bring over here. You got the hoop troop, all right. Bring over here, all right. You got everything you need. All right, all right. Hoop troop, I love it. Great block. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a good, it's a good impression. That's really good. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. Right, that's an impression thing. of an impression that Ethan Strauss does yes, of Raymond Red. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so I was actually read. I read. Uh, I read. Kevin's ESPN feature on the Warriors. And it was just one of the things that he wrote was just kind of a throwaway line. It was like, you know, that day Steph wasn't getting enough power out of his arms and he had to, you know, he had to recalibrate and it was kind of working out from there. And I was just like, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Like Steph working on his shot and like still like having to, having to fix certain parts of it. I think we just think of him as so perfect. Right. So I just kind of wanted to, to deconstruct that a little bit. And it was fun to talk to Brandon because you learn a lot about like how difficult it is for the, for the human body to consistently do the same thing over and over again when like the body itself is changing, everything around it is changing too. Especially if you're an NBA player, you're playing all the time, you're traveling all the time. And if you're staff, I guess probably this season a little bit less so, but you have all these responsibilities and stuff. Like your, your sleeping pattern is probably a little bit whack. Like you're not in like Tom, you're the king of knowing that NBA uh, sleeping patterns are pretty, are pretty bad. Right. Um, but yeah, like it just, it was kind of interesting. Like so many things change around these guys and they have to keep this shot consistent and it's not as easy as it looks. And like certain things about it changes you age, like the places that you put too much pressure on your body and the places that you're like kind of overcompensating and stuff that all changes. And like these two guys, kind of watch that I just thought that alone was interesting like you have to like both of these guys like have to be in the situation where they pay a lot of attention to this thing that has to this like Steph's jumper has to work and if it doesn't work everything falls I mean it's not necessarily like people are going to blame you because they're not really giving you credit for it but I'm sure internally it's felt right like you have you have this pressure to keep like this perfect thing perfect and you're never going to get credit for it you you can't get credit you know what was crazy is in on the Haberstro podcast, Brandon, Brandon Payne uh, came on and was like talking about breathing patterns. Did did Mm -hmm. you guys talk about that at all? It's just like a little bit. Yeah. Like he trains Steph's breathing. Like he's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, you're not breathing enough or you're, you're breathing too much out of your nose or something like that. And it's like, that's where they're at is it's no longer working just on your mechanic, your shot mechanics. It's working on your physiological responses and just like, a lot of it is how they're trying to sharpen the brain activity. And I'm like, this is a whole nother game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. the, the whole concept of neuroplasticity is so interesting in general. Then like when you apply it to athletes, it's just crazy. I was like, I was asking like what he did in school and he was just like, yeah, I was a sports business uh, <laughs> major. And I was just like, are you serious? Like, just a lot of it is self-taught and it, I guess it works because a lot of this science is pretty new as well. Um, although it's not as at the same time, like breathing well is a pretty ancient sort of concept, right? Like I think 
I think by way of oftentimes like religion or spiritual things, like people have found their way to it. But now science is saying, hey, yeah, maybe you should breathe. <laughs> hey, breathing. Important. Stuff, right? important. And everyone's like, oh, my, my <laughs> Apple watch every fucking like, I, it's just like, stop telling me to breathe. I've been doing it since I was born. Right. <laughs> Wait, walk that back. I don't have an Apple watch. What it tells you to breathe. I mean, shouldn't yeah, every, that be every get yourself the- to the hospital? You're dead. No, apparently, I don't even know why, if it's just random or if it's actually tracking something, but it'll give you this alert that'll say breathe, and then it'll give you breathing exercise. It'll, it'll say, like, inhale through your nose, and then until this thing comes a very small ball, and now exhale, and the ball expands on the screen, and you do this over and over, and you say, congratulations, you just got done with a breathing exercise, this will help you with your mental clarity, da 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 da, da. and then uh, it'll leave you alone until the next time it reminds you. Except for me, it just annoys me. I never actually, I did it when I first got the watch. Like, ooh, it's time to breathe. I'll get so excited. And now it's just like, stop. Because it, it'll it'll wake me up in the middle of the night. So I'm like, you're not breathing. You need to breathe more. Have either of you guys ever done Wim Hof breathing? Who? Wim Hof. No. He's like, he's this Swedish dude that just does crazy stuff. Like he, he like meditates and like while he's like basically like naked on a mountain like freezing and like he says that breathing alone keeps him keeps him warm he's like done like just really extreme like cold weather stuff um but he has this breathing exercise you guys should try it it's pretty crazy it's nuts you have to to be naked on a mountain you don't have to be but you know i recommend it (laughs) you can be if you want it to really work (laughs) yeah yeah, like to really go for you it. You know, if you want to, if you want to have like the full authentic experience, I feel like that's the only way you can do it. Like for me, I'm lucky; it's snowing outside, so all I have to do is really just go in my backyard. The neighbors kind of think it's strange, but it's okay. You know, it's for my health at the end of the day. Yeah, I did the I did the whole meditation thing for a while, um, and, but then I realized it's kind of I feel like it's a scam because they basically set a timer in the app. It's like, hey start your meditation and then eight minutes later we'll remind you it's over i'm like can i just take my phone and put a timer on and like like eight minutes later it bings and then i'm done yeah it's all they're all scams none of this stuff works it's all placebos no i think it works i think it's more like that's not i don't think that's true i think they're just taking these things that have obviously been true for a long time and and marketing them in a way that's like you know they're putting science behind it and they're also it's like secular religion honestly like like the the all the breathing yeah. stuff oh, and the meditation right. it's just like it's it's like feeling this need that people have because they're no longer yeah. religious but they're like oh why am i hyped up all the time like i should Absol- really ab- think for a little while you're like, absolutely I I just, right like, it's secular religion because religion absolutely is not a placebo no 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 oh, yeah. it's <laughs> absolutely it. 100% <laughs> real <laughs> I hope my mom doesn't listen to this yeah, pod no. uh, <laughs> um, Bradley Beal talk and then we'll get out of here uh, Bradley Beal just reported by The Athletic is still not demanding a trade but I always like this kind of the verbiage on these, on these uh, reports is According to Shams Charania and uh, Fred Katz, that he is not asking for a trade, period, for now, period. What do you guys think about this? I mean, he's asking without asking pretty much every day, isn't he? 
Yeah, I, I mean, he says he's not asking for it for now. Like he didn't say what he didn't say, mm-hmm. Siri, was I uh, I am a w- wizard for life. We are not talking about mm-hmm. this discussion. Uh, like sign me up tomorrow for a lifetime contract. He's not going to say that, obviously. But when you when you hear an NBA player say, I'm not demanding a trade right now, that's essentially saying I'm leaving the door open in case things go sideways, and then I'm absolutely going to try to pry my way out of here. Yeah, I feel like Beal is kind of doing this thing where if if, if there were fans in the arena, this might have been done a while ago because he's he's very at, – at, on one end, like he's still doing everything he needs to do on the court. Um, on the other end, he's also like pretty openly miserable aside from that Nets game. Um, and like there's a sound by every – like every week there's a new Beal sound by it like where it's like, hey, Beal, are you unhappy? Like, oh, what else is new? Or just like a new meme. Sky blue. Popping yeah. up. Yeah, exa- exactly. Yeah, this is sky blue. Um, and I think if there were fans in the arena, maybe there would have been like a little bit of booing, maybe something else to, oh. to up the ante. Now, right now I think he's kind of – He's he all the all the pressure to to up the ante is kind of on him, but he doesn't really seem like the type of guy that's going to go the Harden route. So he's like, it's like this the most aggressive form of of passive aggressive that that I think you can get. Wait, I, I love um, this theory, Siri. You're saying that because there are no fans that are signaling that the team is terrible, boo, and or boo Bradley Beal or whatever it is that he therefore has to be the upset fan and be like i'm frustrated yes is the sky blue because you can't hear it from the fans like literally there are no fans to yeah, uh, object so. to the to the to the authority well if you look at the last few people who've gotten traded like there has been some friction with the fans right like it happened with anthony davis um harden it didn't happen harden pushed himself out in, in, a, in a pretty aggressive way as well and then if you look at what happened with with uh with jimmy like there's always it always gets pretty ugly before before you get out, right? Um, Beal doesn't seem like he would want it to get too too ugly, so this seems like this seems like the natural sort of result of that, I guess. Can I can I do my smug I'm smarter than everybody else thing? Oh yes, I love smug. Oh, you weren't already oh, doing I, it? Is this is this a bu- is this a switch you turn off? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't I, really I, realize. I put that. it away. I put it away in a in a footlocker. Uh, what do Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, and James Harden all have in common in their trade request scenarios? They didn't actually make a trade demand. What? Harden no. did. Harden did. Tom, he did say about? it in a press conference. They, they all they they all did. What are you talking about? Tom? No, Rich Paul made the trade demand for Anthony Davis. And Jimmy Butler, okay. Sem- Jimmy okay. Butler Semant- leaked Semantics it to certain aside. people that at practice that got it to Amin Al Hassan, who reported mm-hmm. it on ESPN. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't report the trade demand. That was already known. I reported that the practice and went, he busted went their crazy. Ass. Yeah. But, but, but I think you're going to have to tell us what they have in common. That the, they have in common is that they made an aggressive public demand after. A professional quiet request was lodged and dismissed by their employers. Mm-hmm. Each employer had a different way. The Timberwolves were like, he's fine. He'll get on the page, same page. The Pelicans were insulted. The Rockets were defiant. But the reality is the public, I'm going to fuck everything up element 
is not the starting point. Much like the tip of an iceberg that you see when you're on a boat, that is not the iceberg. The iceberg is 90% below the surface. And so I believe that if all three of those franchises had been more earnest and more accommodating and taken it seriously and done the right way, those guys would have still been traded, but you wouldn't have anywhere near the mess, the PR mess that happened in all three of those situations. I think what we're seeing in Washington is an organization that has been quietly told Brad is going to play, Brad is going to play hard, but you guys got to be earnest about this. And I think they are. And I think the search is out there. And I think what you see from Brad is the frustration of I'm holding up my end of the bargain. I hope to God that you guys are holding up yours. This now, I have no sources. I am not reporting anything now. This is just my opinion now. I'm just doing two and two together. But if you read the tea leaves, like I read the tea leaves on the way NBA organizational behavior and how this whole process flows and goes, all of the hallmarks of someone who has asked, get me the fuck out of here has happened. And the fact that everyone is saying all the right things tells me and we know that washington is this kind of organization how because the moment john wall kind of did that the next day he recanted and said "Ah, no 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 because they probably told him hey man we're getting you out of here we're doing it but you can't you can't make the spot hot for us and soon thereafter he was traded i'm not i'm not confident that bradley beal will be a washington wizard by season's end barring an amazing comeback which, Which did happen. To be fair, mm-hmm. not, 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 not come back in the game, but come back in their season, which, to be fair, could happen for all the same reasons that we talked about the Miami Heat. You said Miami was one of the most devastated teams by COVID. I would put the team that played Garrison Matthews 30 minutes and uh, Jordan Bell, who just walked off the street 32 minutes, and Alex Len. I put them right up there as far as a team that's been decimated by COVID and uh, lack of availability. And again, they're the worst team in the in the conference. They got twelve losses. They're less than ten games back of the one seed. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm not <laughs> saying they got the firepower. To do it. I'm just saying that if they go on a hot streak, because people are healthy and they start winning some games, and now instead of the fifteenth uh, best team in the conference, they're somewhere in the vicinity of ten, right? Where playing tournament is is reachable or doable i think that changes a lot of stuff but barring something miraculous like that i think he's out of there mm-hmm. the wizards play the heat twice this this week actually Ooh, post-covid ball um yeah. doesn't this make isn't this then kind of the perfect time to to trade him like we're seeing this stuff like oh beal has never looked this happy all season after they had that miraculous comeback against the Nets. If I'm Beal, I'm kind of wondering, like, mm, I don't know if I want that many people to think I'm happy right now, but it's kind of, from Washington, it's also probably the perfect time to strike with a trade as well. Um, I wonder at this point, I don't know, you guys probably might know, might know more about this than I do, but, like, just what are they waiting for at this point? Like, I'm sure they have plenty of suitors, plenty of teams that could use them. Like, is, is it just waiting until they're more desperate or something. It just kind of seems like the perfect time to pull the trigger. Well, the longer that the season goes, the, uh, I think 
the trade deadline approaches quickly and then the stakes rise higher. Mm-hmm. So the asking price actually gets higher and higher as we draw closer to the trade deadline. And so instead of the Golden State Warriors being like, all right, we'll trade you Wiseman by the trade deadline, they might be like, all right, Wiseman and the Minnesota pick. So that's what they're holding out for. I don't know that for a fact, but I would say... No, this is just my yeah, opinion. I don't know. No, this is just what I imagine. Yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> no, I haven't talked to anyone. Do you, no, would, I you, would you guys do that? Both? I wouldn't. Like the, the pick if and, if I'm and Golden Wiseman? State? If I'm Golden State, no. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if you're doing it because to fill a need right now, we're being honest, Bradley Beal on this Warriors team doesn't move the needle. They'll be better. They're not winning a championship. If they if they're they not, could get if they could get a five, like a real five. If Thomas Bryant were healthy and you could throw him in the deal, I'd feel a lot better. Yeah. But he's not. So it doesn't matter. You're basically betting quite. that Kevon Looney and Draymond are gonna play 40, 45 minutes a night. And 45 minutes a night out of their minds. And neither of them have played out of their minds mm-hmm. in 30 some odd minutes a night. So I, I, I just, I don't think, I think if you're being realistic, if you're, if you're going to say you're being realistic, you're saying I swing for the fences, I get this guy in here and we'll be better, but it won't meaningfully change our, our kind of expectations or our ceiling, particularly given what we're giving up, which is this 19-year-old dude who fits all of our deficiencies. We don't have any bigs. He's our he's our real only real big, and he's really skilled and he's really talented and he's smart and he's learning and he's a good kid who actually listens and accepts being berated by Draymond Green every day. Like, I'm sorry, like you don't just give that up to be slightly better mm-hmm. in the now because the reality playing up the uh, growth mindset aspect with uh, with Wiseman. What's that? It's almost like they want other franchises to want him. No, uh, no, but I, I think the reality is like. Even if Clay comes back and he's awesome, whatever, three years from now, the Wiseman is supposed to be the best player on the team, right? If if we're gonna be, yeah, but man, rational. He's supposed to be, I guess. But I was on a I was on Troop show and eh. and Thorpe was like, I wouldn't trade. Coach Thorpe was like, I wouldn't trade Wiseman for Beal at all. Like, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even think about it. Wiseman is that good. And I'm just sitting here. I'm like, he's 19, though. Like, how many 19-year-olds can contribute to it? And maybe I should write about this. How many 19-year-olds contribute to a championship team? How many 20-year-olds contribute to a national championship? Like, Tyler Hero last year was an aberration. big men on that level. But but this is my point, Tom. You're not winning a championship in the next two years. That's the part where realism comes in. If we want to play pie in the sky, we get Bradley Beal, and then who knows? Maybe Andre Drummond takes a buyout, and he can come here, and we can rehab. You could say all that stuff, but it's not realistic. Realistically, Golden State is right now two seasons away from competing for a championship. Realistically, barring I think I mean, are we underrating Beal a little bit in this conversation though? Like no. he's he's an All NBA player, and. I think he's also kind of perfect if you're trying to to win a championship. Like he's great at scoring in all the, in all the places and all the ways that like most people try to get you to not be able to. Draymond right? and he's Kevon really Looney efficient. on the floor, the Warriors he's, defense is 91 points allowed 
per 100 possessions. 91. With Draymond and Wiseman, it's at 113, their defensive rating. So yeah. those two guys, Looney, Draymond 19. Green, right? Plus Steph, plus Bradley Beal, plus Andrew Wiggins, who may or may... We're doing this thing again with Andrew Wiggins. I fell for it last Don't year. Don't do it. I care about you. Don't do it. I wrote, I, I wrote this long piece... Uh, feature on on Andrew Wiggins has finally figured it out. And then Zach Harper had to call me and be like, dude, don't fall for it. And sure enough, he was right. Um, and the- but don't you guys feel like it's different this time? Doesn't <laughs> it feel different? <laughs> so um, I just wish they had another big. And maybe they'll find one. Like if you throw in Robin Lopez into that deal, does that make them like this much it- better to – You got to – you gotta be I think, honest. Bottom line, man. we just don't know what Wiseman's gonna be, right? Like right now, he's not ready to be a contributor to to a finals team. Um, not, maybe not even a playoff team. Like just given given the on off stuff. Although, like the one thing with the on off stuff is that like you definitely see him miss some defensive rotations. But when I watch the Warriors, I'm like, I don't understand how it is that this guy's making such a big difference for for them in a negative way. Like, do you guys do you guys get that sense? That's my point. First of all, he's. When you watch him from the first week of the season to now, he's, it's night and day. He's getting better. And, mm-hmm. and whether the numbers re- represent that at this time is kind of secondary to the fact that he's getting better and and uh, he, he does accept coaching and instruction. But my, I guess the thing I keep going back to is whether he is or he isn't, do you think this is a team that can – like you just say, oh, we get Robin Lopez in here. Okay. <laughs> That's going to w- win an NBA championship? No, I'm not I'm not saying Robin Lopez is going to win you a championship. Oh no, plus you have a backup center where you have a, you have a complete I, void at backup yeah. center. And we're not saying that like a backup center is going to win you a championship, but we're also saying Festus Azili and Anderson Verjao cost them a title a few years ago. Yeah, but that but but yes, well, yes, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, th- it was you're talking about a different level of where they were at in the life cycle of a championship contention and to, to answer your question Siret, I'm it's not a knock on Beal I'm saying he's not a miracle worker for him to come in and and make this collection of talent a championship contending team it ain't going I don't know if, like I don't think he's the guy to do that and I don't think there are many that list is very long of people yeah. who could do that and to me so Beal there were a lot of teams where I'm like, if you went there, that would change a lot of things. Like if Bam Adebayo uh, was available for the price tag that they would want. Like Bam Adebayo is a guy who could take them to the next level. Like that could be a championship. The, the Warriors. The Warriors. Bam on yes. the Warriors. Like a, a full- and, and that doesn't make that doesn't make Bam better than Beal. It just highlights kind of like a a void that this guy would fill that would make a massive difference for them in a way that Beal is kind of I won't call it duplication because obviously you can never have too much shooting, but there's a diminishing return in adding a guy like Beal without addressing anything else, right? Addressing it really, not with Robin Lopez or Andre Drummond or whatever, but actually addressing it. I'll I'll give you a great example. If Beal went to um, Philadelphia, now we're talking about someone who elevates and escalates the stakes to a different level. But do they have a young player on that team that doesn't fit – Amazingly, which will and be that they could want in a trade. I don't. I don't know. I don't Ma- know. Matisse Thybul, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 a great point, and I think um, more of the story is I think the Heat are going to be back. 
I think the Warriors are better than what people wrote them off to be earlier in the preseason. Uh, it's why I had them. They were, it was them that I picked over the on the over-under preseason. It was Golden State Warriors, Charlotte Hornets, and the 76ers. I'm feeling pretty good about those three picks this year. Nice break. The under, I took the Nets. The the under, they're they're outperforming their their net rating this year. So I, I kind of feel I feel better about the fact that they're two point eight net rating since the Harden trade, which is the same as the New York Knicks. Um, so I'm still feeling good about the the Nets fade. That's a, that's a lot of shitty shitty defense being played over there, man. I mean, it's it's bad, but it's even worse than I thought, man. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought it was going to be bad, and they're even. It's it's amazing, Tom. You're the one that came with the stat, right? It's like they've got the worst defense of all time, and they haven't played a top ten offense in this whole time. Yeah. They're not even playing the good team. That's the thing I say when after Cleveland slapped them around a couple of times and Miami almost beat them. I said, guys, it's not like they're playing the Lakers and the Bucks. They're, they're playing like the, the people who struggle to score on a nightly basis. Yeah, like people were talking about Sexlin, and I was like, well, no, they, they did play. They did play the Bucks though. They they did. Got the but. Uh, let's see. That was the one top ten def- offense they played. I said they have they played one <laughs> top ten offense during that stretch, and I think it was the Bucks. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, like the the Cavs were the 29th ranked offense when they played and, and dropped like 140 on them. Yeah, that was a that was pretty brutal. I remember just feeling like they made the Cavs look so good on offense. They played. Like, they, as if they, they had played the, the best Bucks. offensive chemistry ever. Sorry, what, what well, I was going to say, they played the Bucks when Kyrie wasn't back yet, when Kyrie was still oh, okay. floating around. Because I think without Ky- without with two out of three, you can get away with it. The problem with the three of them is that not only are they not good at it at this point, but also you are taking minutes away from someone who would be good at it. I think Kyrie's been pretty good defensively when he's been on the floor for them, though. Wildin'. I no. I I, I, no, I, think I, like, I don't know. Like, uh, it, he's been doing the oh, the, oh swipe with my hand, and I'm not like he. Am I, like, he what is, is this like a fake hustle thing that yeah, I'm he's, getting? He's <laughs> brutal, brutal defensively. Like he's worse this year than I've ever seen him. He's this is the okay, worst I've ever know. seen. I tend him. to like on first. I, I tend to disagree. I'll go back because I, I mean, obviously, I, I, I trust I trust what you see, but I I feel like he's been trust fine. Me. All right. When he's when, I think, when Kyrie I think their fine, biggest defensive Siri? problem isn't isn't like um, it's not it's not the big three. It's like they have DeAndre Jordan starting, and that guy is going to drop on every pick and roll, like no matter who who the hell it is that's that's going to shoot over it. It's like Duncan Robinson. I don't care. Like I'm I'm in the paint. I think that's their that's their biggest issue. I don't really think it's the big three. Like Harden's fine you know there's places you can hide him and, and go one-on-one and in the post and stuff and and katie's actually a really really good defender when he wants to be it's not yeah, that he hasn't he wanted wants to be, be all the time like he's kind of again kind of like kind of like the lakers um i feel like katie kind of turns it on when he has to but when you have big threes i'll defer on the Kyrie thing for now i just i don't think he's been that bad though but when you have big threes you need two of them to play defense at a high level right mm-hmm. like Chris Bosh, yeah, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. Mm-hmm. All three of them gave a fuck about yeah. defense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, KD, Steph, 
and Draymond and Clay. Like three out of those four gave a fuck about defense. When you're talking about, I mean, I would say I would hold on. I would say I would say exact same guy, right? KD is KD. Well, no, it's not the same guy. So a couple things. First of all, I would say all four gave a fuck. Three of them were able to actually willing and able to a level that is elite, Mm -hmm. and the fourth willing. Not always yeah. able, but at least trying. I watched the Nets. KD is not the same dude. Offensively, he looks great. Defensively, mm-hmm. all of that shit is out the window. He's like, I'm not, I don't know if it's because he don't feel like he had to do it anymore because he's in a position of power within the organization where he, he, he could do whatever he wants or if he's physically incapable of moving, much in the same way that we're worried about Clay, not for him to forget his jump shot when he comes back. We're worried that can Clay guard people like he used to. Those are the concerns. And to me, when I watch Kevin Durant, and it could be, he don't want to, but I'm looking at Kenny. If he has to, Kenny, Kenny guard at an elite level. And then Harden. I think Harden most of the time is overblown the last couple of years. But even within my giving him that, he's not good. He, he's not the worst ever, but he's not good. And Kyrie, he's been bad this year. He's been flat out bad. And the problem here is that when you have the three of those guys, the reality is, Tom, what you're talking about is that two of them have to. There's got to be someone who prides themselves on that part of it. Mm-hmm. There's none mm-hmm. of that here. No, These guys show up to work saying, I know what I'm here for. <laughs> what, you, you want me to rotate and like put a body on somebody? That's not a, that's not a priority. I'm not saying that those guys don't do it. Or don't want to do it, excuse me. I'm saying it's not a priority for anybody out there. And it's decreasing levels of efficacy. And so now you're talking about the other two guys. Y'all better be miracle workers covering for everything. Now, if one of those other two guys was Jared Allen, (laughs) you might have a chance. Mm -hmm. The problem is you traded away your best defensive player. And now the minutes that he's left as a void are filled by what? a guy who's not good at it in DeAndre Jordan? I don't think it's quite... So, the KD point, he's not doing it four quarters, right? Like, I, I, I completely agree with that. I think I've seen him do it in chunks enough this season that I believe he's got that in him still. And he's obviously learned how to do and it. And aren't we... He doesn't quite know where he needs to help yet. The Nets, sw- the Nets switch at a lot, but they don't switch everything. So that's going to take some time too. Like I think, I think there's a lot of just miscommunication because they try to do a lot of different coverages as well. Um, I think that's part of it. I think part of that will hopefully sort itself out as they play a little bit longer together. Harden he he's not again like the identity thing is an issue i think that's a really good point like none of these guys are going to get up for it none of these guys are really going to get that pissed off if they're getting a whole bunch of points hung on them and that probably that probably is one thing that will definitely come back to to bite them in some way but all of them are really smart too and i think i can see them figuring out a way to clean each other each other's mistakes up but to me it just starts with like deandre jordan has to get on the bench like that to me is that to me is but like far and away the biggest defensive issue that they have right now. After you do that, if they do that, which seems like a big, big if, I think the I think the stars can figure it out. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a trade that would bring them that defensive presence. Like if 
The Charlotte Hornets traded Bismack Biombo. Come on down. But Biz, but, Biz but over there, an, where he doesn't need the ball. He just sets screens and busts his tail defensively. But you need some. You need somebody, I think, that can be a little bit more like the one thing that's really good about DeAndre with them is that like he provides so much offensive gravity and he catches almost every ball that you throw his way unless Harden's throwing it to him, which again probably something that they'll figure out. Um, but. Like I think you need somebody with better hands because they are gonna they are if 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 they're if they win a championship it probably won't, I mean I I don't think that they're they're gonna be there that there yet this year it's gonna be by being like one of the best offensive teams ever yeah yeah and and to me that's that's the reality you get Biz I don't think Biz plays like you got to get someone who's good enough to play right and being good enough on the defensive end clearly isn't enough because. We got players for the Nets right now who aren't getting enough minutes because most of their contributions would be on that one side of the floor. You, you, it's got to be some modicum of offensive ability. I, I'm I'm just saying, like, I'm with you, Sirit. I think they've, like, kind of convinced themselves, look, if we're going to win this thing, it's because we're going to have the greatest offense of all time. And the defense won't matter as much. And maybe they're right. I mean, that... that uh, who do you help off of, right? Maybe they're right. They just need to turn it over less. That's a big part of their, de- their defensive issues too. Like if they figure out the offense, I think like, you know, just putting the ball in the basket is a pretty good defense. Trying to work a trade with Steven Adams and JJ Redick for... Lakers in five though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Joe Harris and DeAndre Jordan. No, it was just the money doesn't work. Yeah, Money... Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe also, Harris. Why, yeah, like, why are you getting rid of Joe Harris anyways, right? Because like, well, you're getting Reddick back. Because he, he turned it over. No, yeah, but like, Joe's a younger over. version of him. He plays great defense as well. Like, right. he's, he's, he's shooting really well. He's fit, he fits with the guys. Like, I don't know. I feel like... He turned it over. He, he keep, has to go. You keep Joe Harris. <laughs> see, what? I said he turned it over the night. He has to yeah, go. Did you go. See, see, how, see how Durant was staring at him afterwards? I'm like, what's the point of that, man? Like... Does you think he thought he did something right? Like he knows he fucked up. Man. Wait, when when was this? Was this yet? The, the, the Wizards. The Wizards game. The Wizards game. Oh, okay. he's the one that threw it, threw it away, and allowed Russ to hit that go ahead three. Oh yeah. And so yeah, right yeah, after, yeah. Okay. just look at Durant. Okay. Durant. Okay. Durant staring at him. I'm like, eh, I mean, I think like I think he feels pretty bad as is. I, don't, I you know, but like, but here's the thing. It's like if you're Durant, you have every right to do that to him. Because he's not Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. You can do that. But should you? Should you? I mean, I don't know. To each his own. You know, Michael Jordan was was pretty tough on teammates. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think that, to me, it's just like, it's... Yeah, I'm going to say I don't know. It's it, to each his own. If that's your leadership style, man, go ahead and do it. But you got to know who you're doing it to. He, like, Joe Harris, you can get away with. Draymond, that was probably, like... <laughs> Not the person Probably to try so that much. on. <laughs> Probably not so much. Sirit, the national NBA columnist for the Yahoo Sports vertical, Chris Haynes, Yahoo. Vinny Goodwill, the crew. Um, thank you for joining us. Go read her stuff at Yahoo thank Sports. Great article me. about Steph Curry's shot. Even better article about Draymond Green. Um, and starting a revolution in the NBA positionally and size-wise and skill-wise. Um, thank you so much for joining the Aber Show, Siri. Mm-hmm.